How many believe God is good, amen? Oh, come on, church. How many believe he is good? That's, that's, that's the praise that he gets, amen? All right, if you would turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Job. Um, if you don't know where that's at, that's after Esther and before Psalms. We're going to go into chapter 5. We're going to read verses 8 through 11, then we're going to jump down to 21 and 22. If you have it, declare it with a strong amen. Amen. All right, and it reads, But as for me, I would seek God, and I will place my cause before the Lord, who does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. He gives rain on the earth and sends water on the fields, so that he sets on those who are lowly, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Then we're going to go down to verse 21 and 22. You are hidden from the scourge of the tongue, and you will not be afraid of violence when it comes. You will laugh at violence and famine, and you will, be, you will not be afraid of the wild beast. Y'all may take your seats. Okay, the book of Job is uh, about a man that was a righteous man, and he was rich, and he had everything, and so God one day just stripped him clean of what he had, and he was, he lost his fame, he lost his money, he lost his riches, and he also got a terrible sickness upon his life, and he wrote this book, and this book is about the just, our God is just, and he is a just God, amen? So, what God do you serve? Amen. What God do you serve? There are many different gods out there in this world. There's many gods that, um, different religions, different gods that we see today. We have the God of Allah. We have Buddha. We have Muhammad. Um, we have all those other gods. And we also make gods, too. Um, we may not see that we make gods, but we do. And it's quite simple because some people will be like, they'll make shoes a god. Those are my new shoes. Don't touch them. Or don't step on them. They're new. Or when it comes to, like, clothes, don't get me dirty because I just got them, right? Some people make, some they make crazy gods out there. Um, <laughs> some people make gods out of um, singers. I know some people, like, um, I don't know what kind of singers y'all like. The one that I have is Selena or maybe um, Jesus Culture, their band, maybe one of those. And they say, why can't I sing like them? Why can't I have them? I worship them because they're great, and I wish I had their talent. And some people wish, um, and they worship other people like actors, like Van Diesel, um, other actors like that. And they say, why can't I have his gift? Why can't I have his gift of acting? Or why can't I be like him? Oh, he has the latest movies coming out. Or he has the muscles that I wish I had, the gains that Bethel has. (laughs) And um, we make gods out of everything we see, and we don't realize it, but we do. And in our generation today, we have many gods, and sometimes we don't like to um, acknowledge that we make gods, but we do. Sometimes we worship our cell phones, and we're on our cell phones during church when we don't need to be. Sometimes we're on our cell phones when the word of God is being preached and being sown into your life, and you're blocking it out with this little device, which is mine. It's over there somewhere. Anyways, but... We put our attention to little things instead of God. And when we need to put our word, our, our mind to the word of God and begin to search into what he has for us. And um, the illustration of a God that I serve is a God that is living and active. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father today. And um, when I was about nine years old, I gave my life to Christ. Um, I was born and raised in the church, as you all know. I'm now serving here at Kingsway. 
Um, but I knew Christ, but I didn't have a true relationship with Christ. I knew him in, in a sense that he was good and he was great and he was mighty to save, but I really didn't have a true relationship. How many of you have a true relationship with Christ? A true relationship with Christ. And I was one of those Christians that would think you're crazy when you lift your hands and say, amen, hallelujah. Or one of those uh, Christians that were like, why are you speaking in tongues? Like, what even is that? And I would criticize people. I would criticize the way people would preach, the way they would minister up here. I was one of those type of people. And um, until one night, we had this big change, and we moved churches, and we came over here to help. And when we came over here, I was so angry. I kid you not. I was like, I don't want to go to MDO. I don't want to go here. Like, why, Lord? And so in that point of stretching me and breaking me of what I needed to be broken of, I came and I grew. I grew to the sense in this place, in this area over here, the Lord got me and like shook me up and was like, you're going to serve me now. You're not under your will, but my will. You're my child of God. And now if you see me, I talk a lot. I praise God a lot. I say amen, hallelujah all the time. I raise my hands. And it's, it's amazing to have a true relationship with Christ. And our God is a mighty God. Our God is a just God. He's a God that will never leave you. He's a great friend. He will never leave you. He's not one of those friends that will just come and go in the season, but he's there that's going to stay there and will, ever, and will never leave you because he's a good savior. And be careful about the gods that you serve. Make sure the God that you serve makes all your prayers come to pass. Make sure that when you pray, that you pray in his name, not in the name of Allah because he's dead. He's still in the grave. But our God rose on the third day, and he gave his life for us on the cross. I don't know about you, but my God is serving the most high God, and he's in heaven, in heaven alone. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, I encourage you to run, run, and get your life saved because he is wonderful, and he's coming soon one day, and we need to be ready. And we need to be ready for when he's coming. And how many believe we all go through storms in our Christian walk with Christ? Amen? Well, we all have little storms. We have big storms. We have trials and tribulations. Um, we don't like storms, amen? Storms are hard. It's really hard, especially for a Christian. Once you've given your life to Christ and um, you're accepted and you surrendered unto his will, it's hard to serve Christ. And once you accept Christ as your Savior, we become walking targets. Walking targets in a sense that you're shining with light now. You're not in the darkness anymore. And the devil doesn't like that. The devil, in fact, hates that you're shining your light for Christ. And he hates that you don't want to go, that he wants you to go into your schools and shine the light, that he wants you to go into your workplace and shine the light. He doesn't like that. So he tries to put anything and everything in your way to stop you from going there and shining his light. Sometimes the devil will just throw anything at you. And anything, in a sense, when something distracts you before you come to church in the morning. How many of you had trouble coming to church this morning? Some? Yeah. Well, some is um, tiredness. Some would be the kids. Some would be um, the car's not working. Anything that it is, we had trouble coming to church. That's the enemy trying to stop what he has for you. But thank God y'all made it tonight because y'all came here by purpose, not accident. And I believe that God is going to touch each and every one of our lives tonight because he's already here in this place. And we've already invited him and he's already dwelling in this place. And um, 
When we go through storms, it stretches us. We begin to come out of our comfort zone, our comfort zone in a sense to where we can't do it on our own, that we can't imagine what the Lord has because he has more plans than what we can do. And it's like the story in the Bible where Jesus says, and he grabs his disciples and he's like, let's go to the other side. And we're going to the other side and they get on the boat and they're leaving. And when they leave, a storm arose, a storm that was crazy. It was a really tough storm. And the disciples, you can just imagine them freaking out, trying to dump out the water, trying to get the water out of the boat because it's sinking. And they're like, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And he's asleep. He's asleep in a cushion, on a cushion. And sometimes we're over here like, Jesus, wake up, wake up. We need you. Jesus, wake up. Can you not hear my prayer? Are you not here? And he's over here asleep. He's over here asleep. And sometimes when we're in that process, it's like the Lord is testing your faith to see if you really believe in him, if he's going to come through. Sometimes when you're being stretched, it's hard, and you don't understand it there in the moment, but God has something great for you. Sometimes when you're being stretched, the Lord begins to take things away from you, and you're like, but God, I need that. But God's like, I have something greater for you, something more than you can imagine. And when we begin to realize that, it becomes so much easier for the Christian to walk in his will and walk in his way and his path. And sometimes we don't like it, but we need it. Sometimes it comes in when you least expect it. Um, a moment of me when I was stretching was this this weekend, in fact. We had a, our student conference, and it was great, praise God. We had a good turnout. And um, they threw the worship leading on me, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lead worship the first service. And I've never done that. And um, I'm learning slowly, but I'm learning. And so I led worship. And the night before the student conference, Pastor Isaac calls me in Attica, and he's like, you're preaching Sunday night. And me and Attica were like, what the heck? Okay, we only have a day to prepare for this. And I was like, Lord, what are you doing? You just threw all this on me, and I was stressed. I have, I'm running low on sleep. All the Bethelites can testify to that. <laughs> but the Lord is good because he, he gives you rest. And so I prayed, and I fasted, and I was like, Lord, what do you have for me to speak to this church? And he took me to the book of Job, and he's like, this is what I want you to preach on. And... I find it crazy because the Lord speaks to you in mysterious ways. And he was speaking to me, and he's like, I want you to speak this to them. Sometimes you go through your lowest valley. Sometimes you go through your highest mountain. But in those valleys, you learn a valuable, a valuable lesson. And you can go and you can teach the word to other people, and you can make your way out of the storm. But you can't make it on your own. But you can only make it with Christ. And um, when you make it with Christ, it's different. He'll, begin to, he'll pick you up and set you on your highest mountaintop. And on that mountaintop, you can see others that are struggling. And you can go help them up and say, this is how I did it. This is how the Lord brought me out of that storm. This is how I can go and I can go and make more disciples. And how many believe in the end of the storm you have victory? Amen? Victory is overcoming something, overcoming something that you didn't think you could do, something that you could, you try and you try and you try and you try, and you finally overcome it, and you have the victory of it. And um, sometimes the victory doesn't come when you want it to come. It only comes on God's perfect timing. And how many believe that victory is victory? Christ won victory on the cross, amen? And um, in the Gospels... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
Um, the Gospels talks about how Christ died on the cross for our sins, the perfect sacrifice. He died on the cross, and he was, he was bruised for our transgressions. And they put him in the tomb for three days. Mind you this, he borrowed the tomb. Borrowed. He did not stay there. He did not leave. He folded his blanket, let's just say that, because he's not, he's not there no more, because he's in heaven. Amen? That's the God we serve. He's alive and active, and he's changing people's lives around the world. And this is when he comes, and he's like, come on, let's go. We're going to go and make disciples of the world. He has everything for us. And he goes and he grabs someone. And he's like, come on, go make disciples. Go make disciples. Come on, go grab someone else. Come on, we're going to be a fire starter. We're going to be a fighter starter. Come on, go grab someone else. Come on, go grab someone else. Come on, come on. And the Lord begins to make someone else and begins to stir up your heart. And he begins to use you in ways that you didn't think it could be used. And when he grabs you and he begins to make lights in you, we begin to be fire starters. Amen? Firestart is for his honor and his glory. And when we become firestarters, we, we set the whole world ablaze for his honor and his glory. And when we begin to do that, we have the victory in Christ. Amen? Sometimes we don't deserve victory, but the Lord has already won the victory. Sometimes when we say, I can't do this anymore, Lord, I can't do it. He's like, it's okay, I already won the battle. Why are you weeping over something that's already been won? And I'm going to close with this. Whatever you're going through, the Lord already has it done with. He's already won the battle. Whatever you're going to face, the Lord already has put an end to it. Whatever he wants you to do, he'll put you in the right place at the right time to do it. He will not put you in a place that you don't need to be. He'll put you in a place that he wants you to be. And sometimes we don't like to understand that. Sometimes we can't comprehend that. But sometimes we just need to understand that he's doing a good work in our life. And our Jesus saves. He's a God that saves and he heals and he restores. He mends the broken hearts. He saves and he's just just God. He will never change. He will never leave you. He's always there with you. Sometimes when you feel alone, he's with you. And he's like, hey, I'm right here. Talk to me. And... He's a teacher, he's a friend, he's mighty, he's sovereign. And that's the kind of God we serve. And I'm going to pass it to Attica. Praise the Lord. Good evening. How are you? You look lovely. All right. Praise God. All right, so if you could go in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Verses 11 through 32, the gospel according to Luke. Amen. Oh, and when you're there, you can just uh, just yell hallelujah, like, as loud as you can. That was a little weak, but it's fine. It's fine. All right. Luke 15, 11 through 32. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate that falls on me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods of that swine that were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. 
But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up, I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and he has been found. And they began to celebrate. We'll stop there. Um, Today, I'm going to be talking about the faithfulness of a father. How many of you know we have a heavenly father? Heavenly father. He's faithful. So um, just as the sun rises, just as the sun sets every morning and evening, we can be sure to count on the faithfulness of our father. Um, I believe Psalms says that the stone in which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. He's immovable. He, He stands firm. We can lean on him. We can depend on him because he never changes. He's faithful. Amen? All right, so we're going to talk about he's faithful to love, he's faithful to provide, but he's also faithful to his promises. So if you go back to Luke 15, 12 through 13, just there in your Bibles, go ahead and glance at it. Um, I'm just going to read it one more time real quick. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls on me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey to the distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. And if you could also just go down to 20 through 24. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Let us eat and celebrate. So the father is faithful to love. He loves us enough to forgive us. As we see, um, we have the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. I know that's a really common story, but um, it has, and and most of the time we, we focus on the son and we focus on what the son is doing, but what is the father doing? And you might say like, well, the father's only mentioned like twice in the whole passage. What importance could he have? But he's faithful through that process. And, and through um, taking out the truth of the scripture, we can see that. So he loves us enough to forgive us. And like the prodigal son, we too were rebellious. We too have a sin nature. We too have sinned against God. We too have, have rebelled and said, God, we want nothing to do with you. Because in these days, um, inheritance was everything. I mean, a son gaining inheritance from his father was, was everything. And, and so for the son to say, I want my inheritance now is basically saying, you can just go ahead and die now and just give me the money because I don't, I, I just want it now. And so we too have sinned. We too have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. But the father runs to us and embraces us with arms wide open. We sing a song here. Um, I believe it's called, Oh, Come to the Altar. And it says, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's his, it's his blood. It's his love that forgives us and that, that opens us and welcomes us with open arms forever. So you might say that um, 
Maybe your sin is just too bad for God to heal. Maybe your sin is too bad for God to forgive. Maybe it's too much. Maybe it's too big. But friend, I'm here to tell you that that from the lowest of the low to the biggest of the biggest sin, from the little white liar to the drunken alcoholic, from the religious hypocrite to the thief and the murderer, God's grace is enough to save you. God's grace is enough to save you. And it's by his blood. And, And if you look at... Actually, I'm just going to tell you real quick. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So church, I don't know what you've done. I'm not going to ask you what your secret sin is. I'm not going to ask you to uh, confess to me because that's not up to me. That's up to you and God. But I'm here to tell you that there is a God who loves you. There's a God who's ready to forgive you. There's a God who's ready to embrace you with open arms if you would just run to him. Because you see, the son had to make up in his mind that he was going to go to the father before he did. So just like, just like the son, we too have to make it up in our minds that we're going to go forth and we're going to go to the father and we're going to tell him, um, even if we don't feel worthy, even if we don't feel loved, even if we don't feel worthy to be called children of God, we're still opened. We're still welcomed. We're still loved. Amen. Are you here? All right. So he's faithful to love, but he's also faithful to provide. Um, Luke 15.31, the father speaking, and he said to him, son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. So yes, God provides for our needs, but God also provides for our freedom. Romans 15 through 17, if you could go there really quick, Romans 15 through 17, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 15 through 17. And it reads, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoptions as sons, which we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified him. We were once slaves to sin, but now we're called sons. And if we're sons, we're heirs, and our needs are already met. Um, Romans, the Apostle Paul says that, um, I'm sorry, Philippians, he says, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. Who has a need? Anybody got needs in the house? Anybody got a need? Come on, church, where you at, though? Anybody got a need? Amen. I'm not not talking about little needs or big needs, any kind of need, because God delights in all of that. God, God will, will take your need. He'll um, meet you right where you are. Uh, this morning we were talking about that God is a God of miracles. He's a God of, of big things. He's a God of little things. He doesn't care what kind of need you have. He doesn't care what size it is. He doesn't care um, how much you've been stressing about it or how much sleep you've lost because of it. All he cares about is that you'll come to him with your need before you. You'll come to him and you'll say, God, I need you to take this. I need you to take this. And if you'll believe that by faith, he will. I promise you, he will. He's a faithful God. And he wants you to know him. So not only is he faithful to love, not only is he faithful to provide both for our need and both for our freedom, but he's also faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promises. So um, there are countless, countless promises in the Bible, promises of victory, promises of peace, promises of prosperity, 2 Corinthians chapter 15, um, there's one part that says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus. 
thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus. Not thanks be to God who might give us the victory or thanks be to God who could give us the victory, but thanks be to God who has given us the victory. Amen? Church, I said he's given us the victory. Not he might, not he could, not we have to um, say 10 Hail Marys and bow 27 times. No, he will give us the victory if our faith will believe for it because he's faithful. But if you don't study the word and if you don't look for the promises of God and if you don't um, apply them to your life, how are you ever going to believe for them? You see, our, our, our pastor, he always, um, he stresses the importance of praying scripture because scripture is the God-given truth. Scripture is, is truth given to every believer um, to, to, to proclaim truth. That's what it is. Um, but if we don't know it, if we don't use it to our advantage, what, what good is it? And, and I, knew, I knew this pastor once who said, um, you put the word in you when you don't need it so that it's there when you do. So study it. Study it, love it, live it, breathe it, eat it, you know, um, do whatever you want with it, but make sure it's there, make sure it's in you. Because when you, when, you, when you need it, when you need it for a specific need in your life, it's there. And the word says, if you need comfort, Jesus said, I will send the comforter. If you need rest, he said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. If you're hungry or if you're thirsty for his presence, he said, I will fill you because I'm the fountain of living water. There's promises in here. But if you're not willing to look at them, if you're not willing to, to have it and receive it by faith, what are you willing to do? Maybe you don't want it enough. You see, God is faithful. He's faithful to love. He's faithful to provide. And he's faithful to his promises. And I don't know... I don't know what you're facing. I don't know if your faith might be dying down. I don't know if your faith is dwindling. I don't know. Maybe your fire went out. Maybe you would say that you served God at one point, you knew God, but now you just feel separated. Now you just feel like, like there's, a, there's a gap between you and him, and you don't know how to fill it. But church, he's faithful. You know, Winston Churchill once said, even if you're going through hell, keep going. Because no matter what, God is faithful. There's an old hymn, and it says, Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. So whatever you're facing, church, whatever you're facing, believer, I just want you to know that God is faithful. He's faithful to love you through it. He's faithful to provide for you through it. He's faithful to see you through it, and he's faithful to give you his promises, but you have to believe for them. This is not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. You have to do your part. You have to have faith. You have to be willing to stand in the gap and say, I'm going to believe for this. Amen? Amen? So I'll challenge you with that today. If you haven't already, start praying the scriptures. Start really digging in deep, uh, or as Bethel would say, exegesis. Start taking out the truth. Start drawing out the truth and applying it. Because you can take out the truth all you want, but if you don't apply it, then where's it going to go? Right? So know and be encouraged today that God is faithful. 
He's faithful to forgive you. He's faithful to provide for every need you have. He's faithful to provide for your freedom. He's faithful to stand. And, and, and now you can stand on his promises. Another song we sing. Um, I'm just full of songs today. Uh, he says, yes, we are standing on the promises of Jesus. Yes, my soul says yes to your promises, church. Are you standing on his promises today? Are you standing on his faithfulness? Are you leaning on the chief cornerstone? If you're not, I encourage you to. Joseph. Can I get an amen for that, please? Okay, so if everybody please open up their Bibles quickly and turn to Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. And everybody, please, if you have a Bible, open it quickly. If you don't, then look on the screen. This is a word from God to the church, Kingsway. It says, I'm waiting for y'all to get there. This is y'all's promise, so I hope you receive this with your whole heart. It is Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Praise God. It says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I have gave to your forefathers. So you will be my people and I will be your God. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanness. And I will call for the grain and multiply it. And I will, not, I will not bring a famine on you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field so that you will not receive again the disgrace of famine among the nations. So what God's really saying here is um, this is your promise as a believer. This is the promise for this church that God's going to use this church and multiply it. And he's going to multiply your produce. So have faith. So if, God, if you're ever going to doubt, this is the season you're in. You're in a season of multiplying. God's going to use you. So have faith. All right. So praise God again. I just had it. I was really excited to say that. The Lord spoke to me. Amen. Um, so now if everybody could please turn to Psalms chapter 105, verse 17. I want you all to use y'all's Bibles today. Amen. That's why we have Bibles. It says, um, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with feathers. He himself was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. <clears throat> so I'm going to talk about Joseph for a little bit to give you some background information. And I'm going to go straight into it. And it's going to be fun stuff. So Joseph, he was a young shepherd, 17 years old. Almost everybody from Bethel is around that age. And that youth group, too, is around that age. So praise God. Um, so he's this young shepherd. He's a son of Jacob. Jacob is his father, and Jacob loved Joseph more than all of his sons, and he loved him so much that he even gave him a coat. The coat was called a very colored tunic, and Joseph wore it, but the coat means a lot of things, but I'm going to focus on it signifies his distinguishment and favor, and his brothers resented him for that so much that they couldn't even speak to him on friendly terms. So here was Joseph, a favored child. How many of you are favored? Amen. Everybody who's a child of God should be saying amen. amen. <clears throat> so don't be letting anybody tell you that your favor is a curse or not because God has given you favor. 
and your favor is going to open doors in your life. So praise God for that. Um, now Joseph, um, Joseph, he was the son of Jacob. So one day, Jacob told Joseph to go search the welfare of his brothers. And now Joseph was obedient, of course. He went to go search for his brothers. But his brothers saw him from a distance, and they started planning and killing him. I mean, they started, <laughs> they started to plan, and they were going to kill him. How many of you know that there's an opposition against you as believers? The devil is not trying to be nice with you, but he's trying to kill you, ruin the dream that God has given you. And sometimes you got to tell the devil, no, I'm a child of God. And um, so Joseph was thrown into the pit. They didn't actually kill him. They threw him in the pit. And so he was sold into slavery. And so I want everybody to look at verse 18. It says, they afflicted his feet with feathers. He himself was laid in irons. Who's they? The, they is the Ishmaelites. Ishmaelites are descendants of Ishmael. If you don't know who Ishmael is, I'm going to tell you real quick. Abraham and Sarah, hopefully you all know who that is. But um, God gave them a promise that they're going to have a son. Sarah wasn't able to have kids because her womb was closed. She was very old, you know, old ladies. Praise God. <clears throat> so, so, um, so they had Ishmael. Ishmael was um, born not from Sarah but from a different woman. So Ishmael represents flesh, disobedience. And so it says they afflicted his feet with fetters. So his feet, what does God say in 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. So our feet are our faith. And the flesh, I want you to read this. It says, can, you, can we get it up here? Uh, the verse 18. It says, his feet, they hurt with feathers. The flesh hurt his faith. Do you all understand that? I want you to read it into this. Ishmael represents the flesh. Joseph's feet represent his faith. So his faith was hurt. And the feathers in um, old America slavery, uh, feathers um, were used to bound black African Americans. They're in slavery. The white folks would get these big cylinder irons and clip them on each side of the foot and put a chain in between. It would restrict their mobility so they couldn't move as much, you know. They were restrained. So every time they move, it would hurt. So every time they got a funny idea of trying to escape, it would really hurt and it would dig into them and start bleeding them. So their dreams of it ever escaping would slowly diminish. So that's what they did to Joseph. So he wouldn't escape. Let's look back at the text. It says, um, they afflicted his feet with feathers. And that's what the devil tries to do to you sometimes. He's trying to put chains on you. So it's a vision that you had from God. When you know you heard from God, he's trying to restrain you. So every time you walk towards God, it's going to hurt a little bit. And then what the devil is trying to do, he's trying to slow you down so you won't get to the promise that God gave you. That's why we have to rebuke the devil by the blood of Jesus Christ. It says he himself was laid in irons. Joseph went to Egypt. Egypt represented the world. So I just wanted to point that out. But I want to look at verse 19. I can get that up here again. Sorry. It says, until the time that his word came to pass. I want, I want us to look at the until the time, meaning there's a start and a finish. Meaning we only go through hell for a certain amount of time. God is testing us. And our faith is our endurance. It says that his word came to pass. How many of you know that when God gives you a word, it's always going to happen? Amen? 
His word is not void. His word is strong and powerful because we serve a mighty God. And it says, the word of the Lord tested him. I want to jump to James chapter 1, uh, verse 1, 2, 3. Wait. James chapter 1, 1, 2, 3. Excuse me. Actually, um, James chapter 1, verse 2 to 3. It says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let your endurance and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Our faith has to be our faith has to be tested by the word of God. He has to see if we're loyal. If not, then how do, how does God know if we're true or not? So God has to put us through trials and certain uh, various things. And sometimes he this is gonna sound crazy, but sometimes he will allow the enemy to attack you. But the reason he does that is to see if you're faithful or not. Sometimes God's going to allow the devil to put chains on your, on your feet to test your faith with him. And sometimes you're going to walk and it's going to hurt, but you got to keep moving and keep moving because it says right here, and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Faith, when your faith is tested, you produce endurance. You have endurance. Um, let's go back to Psalms 105 real quick. And the Lord... Then the word of the Lord tested him. How many of you know um, that we don't receive Jesus Christ by, by works? Um, I want to turn to John chapter 13. Just real quick. I want to finish off with this. I wasn't going to speak long. I only want to speak what the Lord's telling me. So if everybody can please turn to John chapter 13, verse 6 through uh, 10. We can get that up. Praise God. It says, so he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I do, you do not realize now, but you will, you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. So remember what I said, we walk by faith, not by, amen. So our feet represent our faith. Jesus Christ was talking about, I only need to wash your faith. Because in the Old Testament, Aaron and the high priest, they would wash their hands and their feet. Because they, in the Old Testament, they worked with their hands. And God didn't like that whenever they worked with their hands. That's why he says, your work will not please me, but your faith will. So um, Jesus Christ only wants us to wash our feet. So if you're, if you're trapped, and I'm talking to anybody right now, if you're trapped in chains by the devil, that Jesus Christ already washed your feet. You don't have to be walking around in bondages of sin anymore because he already restored you. That's just a lie from the enemy that he says you can't do something, but Jesus Christ already washed your feet so you can do something. And um, I just want to give a quick story, real quick, one more quick story, praise God. Um, I shouldn't even be here preaching right now because my faith was very afflicted. And if y'all don't know my story, um, last year I was asked to preach at Bethel Conference. And I, I went up and I didn't preach. In fact, I closed my Bible like this and I said, that's all I got. And I walked off I started hitting some stuff. I was just crying, very outraged. And I never preached the gospel or anything about Jesus Christ after that for a whole year. And that really afflicted my faith uh, the, 
the enemy really did try to take me out. But here I am right now today preaching the gospel, preaching Jesus Christ and his power to you. And don't let the enemy steal what God has given you. Because God's calling you to a new blessing. I'm specifically talking to the church here of Kingsway. God's calling you to a new season right now. And you cannot be bound by the enemy. He's putting a new faith in you. A new restoration. And he wants to wash your feet and restore them. And you have to allow him. Because he's, he said, um, this is what exactly we said. He said, you're in the old season. But I'm taking it to a new season. So you can't have your old faith in the new season. Hopefully that makes Hopefully that understand. Hopefully that makes sense. God is saying, I need you to get new faith. I need you to go deeper with me because this new season I'm going to take you in. It's going to be more blessings, more anointing, more. You're going to see me more. You're going to see the cross more. You have to, you have to wash your feet, what, he's keeps, what he keeps saying to me. And I don't know who this is for, but you have to wash your feet. You have to let Jesus Christ wash him. And you have to quit. Believe in what the devil is telling you that you cannot move because you can move in the name of Jesus.